Hello and welcome to Renegade Paradise, the official podcast of the Charleston, South Carolina chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. We're an intersectional activist organization working to build a society and economy run by the working class, a society that democratically meets the needs of the many rather than creating profits for the few. Renegade Paradise is a news, commentary, and educational platform based on socialist analysis from activists on the ground here in the Low Country. By sharing a socialist perspective and by lifting up the voices of our allies and comrades, we hope to create a space for folks in this part of the country looking to deepen their understanding of leftist politics, but who might not know exactly where to start. Uh, Members from the Charleston Democratic Socialists of America come from a broad, diverse set of backgrounds and tendencies within the spectrum of the left. But what unites us is one common goal, uh, and that's to build a different world, a better world. Uh, I'm CJ Bones, here with Ace. What's up, Ace? Hey, how are you? Uh, And uh, Ace is Charleston DSA's official liaison for the local YDSA chapter over at the College of Charleston. Um, So over the fall, Ace was in Chile for a study abroad program. And uh, only a few weeks before, uh, she was uh, slated to come back stateside. Um, I'm sure you all remember there were uh, massive protests that broke out all across the country. Uh, that have been capturing quite a few headlines lately. So uh, what we at Charleston DSA wanted to do um, is uh, have a little discussion about uh, what's actually going on, uh, maybe get a little bit more information out to the folks here in the low country that uh, may want to help or at least deepen their knowledge, uh, but again, you know, are looking for uh, more firsthand knowledge of, of, of what's going on there uh, and, and, and kind of flesh out what uh, what the context of all this is. Um, so Ace was able to bring us a unique on-the-ground perspective of what folks in Chile are facing under uh, President Piñera's neoliberal administration. So um, Ace, why don't you uh, kind of take the baton from here. Uh, talk a little bit more about what you do uh, at the local DSA chapter. Um, well, one of my uh, biggest passions is environmental issues, or rather fixing them. Um, so I'm a part of the Eco-Socialist Working Group in DSA. Um, and as previously mentioned, I'm the official Asian for the YDSA at CFC. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of just, like you said before, want to make a big old change. There you preferably go. in the whole world, in addition to America. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Ah, that's awesome. I, I think that's um I think that's one thing everybody in, in our chapter can agree on as as <laughs> as you know, wide as our tendencies and our and our beliefs are. You know, I think we all want to come together and, and just do good for our community and, and for our neighbors. Um so uh give us a really brief description of your political tendencies and kind of what got you interested in organizing with DSA in the first place. Um well I call myself a socialist more or less. Um, when, well, I was still in high school, um, during the whole 2016 election, not the whole thing, but, um, when things started picking up, I first started hearing about Bernie that caught my attention. And then of course, someone as awful as Trump comes in and acts like he's going to make a name for himself. Right. You as a young person want to get up and make a change. So I found myself, you know, hanging out with some liberals and talking about, making social changes, and then I just kept going farther and farther left as <laughs> shit kept getting worse and worse. Yeah. And um, here I am. I found DSA, and I've uh, been 
excited to find a, a organization in the low country that's more organized than anyone else that I've really tried to work with on things like this. Rock on, or at least we're shooting for it, right? <laughs> um, so you said, uh, did you say socialist moralist? Did I hear that right? More or less. Oh, okay. Okay. I was like, hmm, that's a tendency I'm not familiar with. Yes, I made it up right here. <laughs> cool. All right. Just trying to uh, just trying to cross my T's and dot my I's and, and probably give myself more yet more reading homework after this. <laughs> um, okay. So um, tell us about your trip to Chile. What uh, what new perspectives and insights have you gained since your visit? Uh, all of them. Um, <laughs> I realize um, that's a that's a large question, and 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 I guess um, you know we you know maybe a maybe a uh, a kind of bird's eye view, and then we'll kind of narrow it down as I you know as we go through some of these other questions. Yeah, um, Chile is such an interesting country. It has such an interesting history, and I think one of the biggest things that I learned down there was just how much history can affect the present and the future in a country. You can do the exact same thing in a different country, and depending on their history, it can go horribly wrong or it can go even better. Right. Um, and I really noticed when I was down there the tendency of other countries to look at, say, Sweden looks at, or Chile looks at Sweden and says, I want to be like that. Right. But you're still recovering from a dictatorship and all of these, and the colonialism and everything, it's it's hard. Right. Um, and you shouldn't. What I what I learned is what I think no country should try to copy one other country, especially only right. one. I would definitely be cherry picking from several other policies and, and types right. of governments until you can make one that fits your people in your country. But like that. Yeah. with the massive disconnect between politicians and the people, that's always super difficult. So word. Yeah. yeah. Um I like that you brought that up, um, because as as successful as uh, you know, N Norway and and Sweden and a lot of those other countries up up in Northern Europe are, um, you know, it's pretty critical to uh, Marxist theory uh, to look at the history and the material condition uh, conditions. I think surrounding a lot of the countries over the you know nineteenth and twentieth century uh, that have shifted away from colonialism and and monarchy into a socialist government, and all of their circ uh, all their circumstances are very different. All the conditions on the ground are very very different. So I I'm glad you brought that up. I don't feel like we talk about that enough. Um, definitely not here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes not even enough within DSA. Um, so that's a that's a really great uh, piece of insight there, and I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So tell us a little bit uh, about the family you stayed with. Uh, what was daily life with your host family like? Uh, were they pretty on board with the work that you do here as part of DSA? And are they active in similar organizations? Um, my entire host family were communists. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, they were the only communists in the whole um, program of, of host families, I'm pretty sure. Right. Um, and it was funny. We had, a, we had a group message with the rest of the kids on the trip. One of the kids came in the group message and said, Ace, did you know that your host family are communists? <laughs> and I said, well, there's a painting of Che Guevara right outside my bedroom door. <laughs> I, should, I should hope that they were. <laughs> um, and he, he, and I always knew that this kid didn't know anything about politics. And he goes, well, uh. well, don't, don't, don't turn on us. 
<laughs> and I said, "Do you even know what you're talking about?" <laughs> um, but yeah, they were oh, they were all communists. They actually go to Cuba every year, mm-hmm. um, and they also had a painting of Salvador Allende on the wall, and they had a photograph of uh, Camilo Cienfuegos, um, also from the Cuban Revolution. Wow. Um, just that's just their home decor. Um, so they, they there's some uh, they're they're bona fide. Is yeah, what you're saying absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure they were all members of the Chilean Communist Party. Um, okay. We they took me to several events. Oh, um, nice. It was it was kind of funny because they would say, "Do you want to go to this? It's this park, and there'll be like dancing and music." And I'd be like, "Well, of course." And they take me, and it would be like, like the sickle and hammer Chilean Communist Party like flag yeah. everywhere, and they were singing like Bella Ciao, like that uh, that Italian anti-fascist song, and, right? Um, and dancing, and it'd be this big old like communist get together and I would be like this is awesome and <sighs> Sounds I think magical. we both thought that we lucked out with each other um, <laughs> so it was, it was funny it was really awesome they were and they were very active um, it was my host family knocking on my door saying do you want to come to the protest today Wow. Um, instead of like me sneaking out or yeah. them it was funny because like if I were them I'd be terrified to let the kid is my responsibility yeah. out you know, into that, but it was just so important to them, and yeah. they loved that it, it was important to me too. So they were they were super awesome. That's great. I'm I'm glad that y'all. Um, I'm glad that you really found um, uh, some kindred spirits there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that. Uh, well, I've I've never been in a study abroad program, but I imagine that it's always kind of a roll of the dice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of like getting a new room, roommate or something. You know, you, yeah. You don't always know. You may know on paper, but you may not exactly know who you're going to end up with so it sound it sounds like they uh there's some there's some real solid comrades that you were with yeah that's awesome um um can you talk to us a little bit more about the uh communist party of chile and and maybe the the general makeup of of the left in chile yeah from, from what you've experienced yeah, um, so the Communist Party of Chile actually formed before the Soviet Union formed, oh, wow. um, which when I, I was doing a project down there uh, from when I did get to go to class before the riots um, about it. And I said, what? I looked at the dates again. <laughs> I kept Googling back and forth. I was like, the Chilean Communist Party? Because especially your average person who's not into politics doesn't look at South America and think of communism or socialism or anything like that. Right. Um, but it's... And it Unless never... you talk about Venezuela, and then it's like, what oh, about and Venezuela? oh, sorry, yes, I forgot about the classic. <laughs> what about Venezuela? Like, oh, good point. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about Venezuela? Yeah. What about it? Do you know anything oh, about Venezuela? <laughs> Let me show you a map. Do you know where it is? Uh, like... <laughs> I don't know. Is it is it the one in the bottom? <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's the one that looks like my ha- my hand if I put it on the. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. anyway. Absolutely. But um, yeah. Well, um, the. Chile has actually had a number of leftist parties um, wow. throughout its history, from anything from socialist party to socialist working party to the, they have the, how do you say it in English, the Youth Communist Party, um, which is of ages, I believe, 14 to like 28. Mm-hmm. Um, and just all these kinds that have since disbanded and blah, blah, blah. And during the Great Depression, actually, the um, Chilean Socialist Party kept splintering off because right. that was a, ma- a massive um point of, of turmoil within the leftist parties because no one was satisfied and the left has a hard time uniting in the first place. Yeah. And it was around that time that the Chilean Communist Party just focused all eyes on Moscow and they only wanted, they only cared about what the Soviet Union, the fresh new Soviet Union right. was doing. 
And that goes back to what I was saying earlier, where they just wanted to be like them. And the Socialist Party of Chile was like, well, can we, we got, we got a lot going on here right now. And they actually say that Chile was the worst hit country in the world by the Great Depression. Oh, man. Um, so Chile's always had a history of, of left, leftism there yeah. that never got, even there was a period um, where they had a President Gonzalez Videla mm -hmm. who made communism and leftism illegal, just completely illegal. And that's when you have him more or less putting people into exile or forcing people to exile themselves. But yeah. through all of that, I mean, we had our dose of McCarthyism, but it wasn't as bad as that. Yeah. Um, no, nobody. But still, yeah. we have, you know, or in Chile, there are these parties that still exist. Right. And that's what, like, just inspired me a lot. The fact that that was there. Absolutely. And that they had numbers, too. Yeah. I think that that says um, two, two things that I'm kind of taking away from, from that. Uh, one is uh, there's not enough discussion about how critical uh, the the global South is to um, you know the communist movement essentially. Mm -hmm. um, you know it did not begin and end uh, with the Soviet Union, um, and that's not to take away um, you know from what folks in the Soviet Union have, have had accomplished and and still continue to accomplish, um, but there's definitely an incomplete picture that that hopefully um we in dsa and 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 maybe this podcast can can kind of help fill out a little bit um but yeah i'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because it, it gives a little context about how important that is and how it's not discussed nearly enough yeah um, and it was they were super like i said they, were, they were, had a lot of events just and a lot of them just, I was like, well, what's the goal of this? And they were like, well, you know, what do you mean? It was just, they were all getting together and they brought their kids. They would have it at a park. The kids would be playing on the playground and adults would be talking and they'd have music. And it was just, just, well, that's one form of organizing, like to make it easy for families and to have it in the neighborhood and things like that. Yeah. And I, um. Building that community. Yeah. And yeah. twice actually with my family, I went out um, and participated in what they call, um, I guess they called it in English should be volunteer work, which mm -hmm. sounds less cool. <laughs> but, um, and we went out, we would go out to these plazas and one day we went and there were like some people doing traditional Chilean dances and we were painting this gazebo and just cleaning up the park. Mm -hmm. And we actually, my, one of my host brothers is a doctor. And so he had stuff to check blood pressure. Oh, um, okay. and they were handing out condoms because, um, as a conservative, like a morally conservative country, they actually, made condoms expensive to discourage people from yeah. having sex, which is just not not how you do yeah. that. <laughs> um, and so we were doing things like that. And then the next one that I participated in, we went and we um, just cleaned up this neighborhood. And there were so, I can't get over, there were so many people there. And wow. we met out there at like 9 a.m. And it and was, it was like- probably this, packed to the rafters already. I mean, kind of. And it was like this third of this people go over there and do this, this third or whatever. And so- um, the group that I was with, we planted trees, mm -hmm. we cleaned up, we planted flowers, um, we planted them in these tires, and we painted the tires all pretty oh. while some of us were painting a mural across the street. I love Just that. in a neighborhood. And I was like, and like, Matt, like, I don't care who you are. Like, if, if I tell you that I'm going and doing that with, with any any group, you know, whether it's communist or not, and you hate communists, well, okay, I'd like to see you going out and doing that type exactly. thing. Like, if, you, if you're on the other side of the aisle, like... 
who's the one that's making a difference in your neighborhood. I don't yeah. think those people really care that they were communist pan- planting trees or cleaning up their streets. Exactly. They just care that it was getting done. And that's the boots on the ground communism that, that I saw down there. So. Hell yeah. I love that. Um, I, I remember during like, you know, elementary school when, you know, the students would, uh, go out and, and, and like paint, trash can holders for example around mm-hmm. the school and and there's just something so like pure and real and great about projects like that like organizing or organizing doesn't always have to i mean sometimes it's difficult dirty and, and scary but other times it's it's fun and it's wholesome mm-hmm. and and i th- that's another thing that i really want folks to take away if you have the drive to do something anything like just show up we'll find something for you to do or exactly. or we'll give you a microphone and you can tell us how we can do more things mm-hmm. better does that make yeah. sense yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> um that's great that's very uh that's very uplifting i love that um so uh we're going to we're going to sh- uh shift just a little bit um when did things start to take a turn? Um, were folks in the streets very quickly in, in kind of a spontaneous way to say like uh, the yellow vest movement in Europe, or was it more of a gradual buildup of like very specifically organized vanguard type groups? Um, or, or, or is it something different completely? Um, it happened in one day. Um, the weirdest part, I guess I say one day it was it was kind of shorter than that, um, but our situation was strange because we planned that day to go to a vineyard right outside of Santiago, and we had to meet at a hotel in the middle of the city. And uh, we had heard the night before that they were doing some some strikes. I think it was the subway workers often go on strike, um, and there were going to be some strikes at these certain stations. wasn't my metro station, so I said okay. And so I get dressed to go to my vineyard and I walk to my metro station and I get there and they're they're closing the gates, like the outside gates. So like you can't even get underground, let alone on the train. Right. So I said, okay, you know, like they do protest in Chile. They'll close the metro a couple stations every once in a while. Um, I already knew that. So I went home, called my Uber. Traffic was kind of heavy. Didn't think anything of it. And um, go to the vineyard for about four hours and we came back and the Santiago that we came back into was not the same that it had been that morning. Wow. And it was, and the traffic was so bad and they had pretty much shut down most of the metro stations. I'm pretty sure the Santiago Metro is like the, the metro, seventh metro in the world with the most frequency. That was a, yeah, I remember a, hearing like throughout way this, to phrase that, but yeah, it's like, a massive. Yeah, like super built up, like it's a lot of use. Um, yeah, yeah, it really definitely. does. It was always, always very full. Um, yeah. But the weird thing about Chile is you have these these two coastal towns, Valparaiso and Viña del Mar, mm-hmm. and then you have Santiago, and over 50% of the population of Chile lives in those three cities wow. alone. okay. Mostly in Santiago. Um, so it's like the streets are still packed with cars, even though the metro is filled to the brim, you know, and it's, and it's so There's used. just that many people But there's just there. so many people, um, yeah. and the smog is terrible. But mm. um, they... So they'd shut down a lot of the metro stations we found out. And it took us, it was supposed to take us about 45 minutes to an hour to get back into Santiago. It took us about two and a half hours. Um, 
And we didn't even stop at the place that we got dropped off, actually. We had him drop us off elsewhere earlier. And it was just, I mean, the news was on in the restaurant we went to, fires, you know, in one of the kids' neighborhoods. And we found out that they were destroying the metros. And we found out that it was actually started by um, these high schoolers who, with their Evade movement or Evade. Okay. Um, and the thing about, the thing that's difficult about the Chilean metro system is because you get, um, you have your metro card, but it's not like a, you pay $40 for a month and you use it. It is you have to pay for every single like trip that you take. Okay. So it's about one American dollar to go on the metro every day. These people- that, That's or to every, your destination and back or is that two? Sorry, that's just one way. Okay. So that's every time you get on, it's 720 pesos. That's, okay. um, except it's more expensive. It's 110 pesos more expensive during rush hour in the morning and in of the course. afternoon. So the yeah. people- um, only make about five hundred fifty dollars a month. That's not minimum wage at all. Right. I think minimum wage is is about four fifty. Right. Um. So when you're paying, I calculated it before, but it was like almost half your paycheck to go to work six days a week, yeah, every day. And then the university students only have to pay two hundred thirty pesos, which is like it's just absolutely nothing. It sounds like sixty cents or something. Right. Um. And that was something that they fought for and they got. But the high school students still have to pay the full amount. Right. So you don't have jobs because you're, you're kids. And then your parents are already paying for their own metro. And they can't afford to give the kids metro, but they need to get to school. Right. And not everyone has a car. So it's just, so these <clears throat> students started saying. Kind of like death by a thousand cuts almost, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they were just kind of like, well, that's bullshit. Um, and then they caught wind that. President Pinera was going to raise it 30 pesos, which is less than a cent, but it's he's been evading taxes for 30 years. It's just, it's frustrating yeah. um, when they see things like that. So the kids were like, well, let's go. And those Chilean school kids are actually very well-versed in protesting. Um, nice. In 2006, they had what you call the uh, revolution of the penguins. Unfortunately, it had no penguins in it, but um, <laughs> I, I got so excited in, in my history class when he said, well, yeah, the penguin revolution. And I said, what? Oh, penguins. What? And uh, I know they have penguins here, so Little what? penguins in black but, masks. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was the, even the public school kids down there have uniforms. So they have their white shirts and their black like vests ah. or jackets or whatever. And they call them penguins because everything in Chile has a cute little nickname. Okay. Um, and it was like elementary school, high school kids rioting. Wow. For just better education, better, you know, they even try to argue for um, lower transportation fees and didn't get those. And then some people, a lot of people have the theory that those kids grew up and participated in the 2012 or 2011 to 2013 riots for the university students. And then now those people, those kids are grown up in the workforce and those are the people that are in the streets right now. Right. So it's like kind of had it coming but Chile was still, Chile itself was surprised. Chile did not expect this to happen. So these kids start jumping the turnstiles in mass. Right. And it was everyone. It's like, it's weird because in America, if you're super into politics or whatever, you're not cool. Like, but these, it's, it's like. <laughs> Can confirm like, Come we on. are not cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't it's not, worry. It's not easy. Um, but these kids, whoa, you're not going to come? Come on, everyone's doing it. Like everyone's jumping the metro to make a <laughs> political on, revolution. <laughs> like you're going to sit at home like. <laughs> Um, and so that was just super cool. I want to go to high school in Chile now. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, they were just jumping them in mass and mass and, and, um, on October 18th was when Pineda told the police, well, you can shoot these kids, you know that, mm. right? Um, and so they, that's when just 
shit really hit the fan. They just got so violent. And you can find pictures of these officers just have kids in headlocks. And by the time the military came in the streets, like you could hardly tell the difference between the police and the military because they're both green. One of them just has camo. It's like, it was crazy. Sometimes the police will stand in the metro station in full riot gear for no reason. Like before shit even hit the fan, they would just right. be like, I'm here. And we're like, sure, like intimidation. Okay. Factor. Like, yeah. <laughs> but um, and there's also a height limit to be a cop down there. Or sorry, a height restriction. Uh, you have to be tall. Oh. Uh, which I was one of the tallest people down there. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of I'm five foot eight for those listening. Yeah. Um <laughs> but I'd be on the metro, see over everybody's head. And so it it was just it was just kind of cheeky to hear that that the that the police they had to be intimidating enough. And the and the women cops had to wear lipstick. I swear, I, I never saw huh. a lady pig without lipstick on. Definitely gives a, uh, a new meaning to the phrase "putting lipstick on a pig." That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was very, <laughs> it was very strange. Even their, their little hats were different too. They, oh, their uniforms, they, they already look like Nazis in the first place. Their little, yeah. their little police hats like come so high up, like oh, at the yeah. front, <laughs> yeah. that you're like, okay, yeah. But um. Yeah, they started just being super violent against the kids, and everyone else was like, well, yeah, why are you raising the Metro 30 paces? That affects us, too, you know? That affects right. everyone. And um, then they were like, well, we'd be able to afford this if we got paid more. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd be able to retire and not use the Metro if the pension system wasn't so shitty. Hey, remember all those things that the Consortacion said right after the dictatorship fell, and they said, we're going to fix everything? <laughs> why hasn't that happened yet? Exactly. And then it was just... Massive. So the traffic was bumper to bumper. I couldn't even go back to my host family's house that night. I stayed at my friend's house because I lived oh, out wow. of the city center. I, city center. I actually lived pretty far away. Right. 45, 50 minute metro ride to university. Okay. Um, but in Providencia, where the big plaza was, where they went and protested every day, um, right up the road was where my best friend on the trip, Delaney, lived. Okay. Um, so I would stay with her a lot and we'd go out to protest together. Nice. But it kind of all happened in that one day. And before we really knew it, we would never see Santiago the way we had before, which yeah. was crazy to be there before and then during. Yeah. So. That's wild. Yeah. And and side note, that's good praxis given your, uh, given your protester, your protesting buddy, like a place to crash for the night. Yeah. Like, well done. That was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was awesome. And her yeah, host was. mom wasn't, she didn't really participate <clears throat> But in anything, but she was like super welcoming and would always that's, be happy to have me stay. So, yeah, <laughs> that's great. I and mean, even if you can't be on the front lines, you know, uh, nothing, you know, nothing wrong with making a good home cooked meal. Exactly. Right? Well, that's what my host mom um, would make. So, my host brother would seem like all his friends were what I would call my political friends because yeah. those are, well, those are the same down there, but they're different here. Um, and, that he would just have this group of like eight or nine or 10 people and we would go to the plaza and we'd wow. come back and my mom, my host mom would have cooked. Like everyone's all eating on the patio now because my host mom cooked for everyone oh, man. Um, because she was she was getting a little old. She didn't want to go back out there sure. um, all the time. So I was like, yes, that's, that's, that's how you, just like you said, that's how you do your part. Like you yeah, have to, everyone exactly. has, everyone has a job. Like everyone can help in a certain Everybody way. Everybody has a part. So, yeah. yeah. Side note, another another side note. Is this a sub, sub side note? I don't know. Um, <laughs> What was the best thing that she made, do you think? Oh, I don't know. Um, I definitely ate over 200 empanadas when I was gone. <laughs> uh, about 80 in the first month. No, um, when they, they sell them on the street, so cheap. Um, yeah. So she made empanadas really well. Um, and it sounds really basic, but just she made the best rice and beans. Oh. 
Um, she'd use black beans and like she'd keep like all the bean, like the black bean juices in there. And so the rice would get this like dark color. Oh, and yeah. it was just, it was just really good. Mm. Yeah. So, but yeah. I think that that, that stacks up. Yeah. Just a good, simple plate of uh, empanadas and beans and rice. Absolutely. Man. Hell yeah. I mean, that's, it's kind of like the food uh, in our neck of the woods, you know? Yeah. A lot of the dishes, you know, kind of, uh, you know, have a, have uh, beans and rice base to them. And, and you really, you really hone in that recipe and you don't have to mess with it that much. And, and you know, it's just time and, and practice really, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Lots of, uh, lots of sidebar conversations, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I like. That That's, that's my favorite part about, you know, interviewing folks is you never know where the conversation's going to go. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I had a couple of follow-up questions, but you kind of answered them all in uh, one fell swoop. So, so that was cool. Um, so talk a little bit about uh, the link between the existing um, neoliberal democracy in Chile and its connections with the uh, fascist Pinochet regime of the late 20th century. Well, um, unfortunately, the uh, president of Chile right now is, um, is a billionaire. He owns the largest airline in Chile. Mm. Um, his son owns the only competitor to Uber, and Uber is legal there. And so is his company, but he still makes money off of it, even though it's illegal. And you, and you, I see publicly, huh. public like digital billboards of the competitor company in downtown Santiago. But like, it, it, it was really strange. It was strange. Anyway, that's a side note, though. <laughs> yeah. The whole Uber thing. You had to sit in the front seat of the Uber because if the police saw you with only one person in your car and they were in the back, they would say, that's an Uber, and they'd pull you over. <laughs> wow. Which is just... Um, the police down there are called carabineros. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I ever say that, that's why I'm just talking about the cops. I appreciate um, that. But yeah, so the carabineros will pull you over if you just have one person in there in your backseat. Wow. Um, but so Pinochet, uh, Pinochet, sorry, I got them confused. Pinera, um, Pinera's older brother um, was actually in Pinochet's like cabinet or something in during the dictatorship, and he helped draft the constitution. Um, the 1980, I believe, constitution that they wrote um, during the dictatorship that they're still operating under today. That's the big problem. They're like, how the hell are we supposed to get away from all of this shit, this traumatizing shit from this dictatorship while we're still operating under their constitution? A lot of the the same Um, constitution. And it sounds like there are some folks that, you know, have some pretty uh, intimate connections uh, with the, the Pinochet regime. Well, my Is it host Pinochet mother, or, uh, Pinochet. I'm sorry. Um, it depends. Okay. Um, so both are correct. Okay. Um, in Spanish, I think they usually say Pinochet, but okay. in English, it's Pinochet because that's okay. yeah. Okay. But um, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my host mother's father was actually tortured during the dictatorship. Oh wow. Um, which I learned that, and my heart just got so heavy. Mm. It's like, well, yeah, no wonder you want to be the farthest possible thing from that. Yeah. I mean, these people, like, there's still so many people who are disappeared from the dictatorship. They still don't know where their bodies are. Thousands of people. And, like, asking a country to just get over it quickly and and look forward is just so devastating when it was still recent enough. I mean, the coup only happened in 73, and so many of the people who were taken were 20 years old. Yeah. I mean, they could totally still be alive. Like, yeah. and they still haven't found these bodies they still haven't found these people and it's just it's a wound that is still open and the government's trying to trying to force it shut and tell them to forget 
Right. So, which is hard when you're being fashy and you're <laughs> telling them to forget about yeah. the military dictatorship. But um, what was it, the question it again? It sounds, um, <laughs> it sounds kind of familiar, right? Yeah. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, the, the So I, I think you covered pretty much all of it, like kind of how uh, the, the current uh, regime is, is connected with Pinochet. And it, and yeah, it sounds like... Just yeah, just the, then the biggest thing that people wanted, it seemed, was... Like in the end, when they were actually like, "All right, yes, we we've been yelling for for two weeks now. Okay, well, let's figure well what we want." And everyone said, "Well, new constitution, new constitution." Right. Um, and I said, "That sounds good." And then I learned that it was they were still under the dictatorship constitution. And I said, right. "Well, you haven't you haven't fixed that one yet." <laughs> but um, yeah, that sounds like that would be step number one. Yeah. But um, the constitution though was weird because in the first in the first week of the riots, um, they put us under a state of emergency. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, you know, I've, I'm from I'm from Charleston. You know, I've been through my share of hurricanes, state of emergency, like I got you. Right. But the state of emergency under that constitution limits your right to assemble. Oh. And I said, that's interesting. Imagine if a hurricane was blowing through. The government said, well, well don't organize for the love of God. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like this is an emergency. Don't we have can't have you organize. Or... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I was like, hmm. And then they put the curfew in and we were like, oh. And then... Chilean started saying, oh, well, it hasn't been like this since the dictatorship. I was like, what? Like, I wow. knew that I knew that y'all protested. I knew that the student, like the university protests were big, but I didn't realize that this was bigger already. Mm. And they, they first gave us a curfew of 10 p.m. And then they just kept, they kept pulling it back. But it was like summertime down there. So like, it was so light outside when they had curfew. And that's, that was the creepiest part. Yeah. When it was like, we all have to go home. If, we want to, if, if we want to risk staying out here, we can. And, and we did a couple of times. My host family would say, come on, we're protesting in the neighborhood. And we'd burn barricades in the street and, and bang on our pots and pans until curfew came. And then we'd just get rowdy for a little bit longer and then go back home just yeah. for the shit of it, you know, just to yeah. be like, no. Sometimes it seemed like they were trying to get the Carabineros to come to our neck of the woods, to San Miguel, which is the little out, the outskirt area that I lived in. That's what it was called. And right. it, was a very, it was a very unified place. They were like, we we are San Miguel. Like this is, you know. So it was like a, a very strong, yeah. Like it was crazy community core of of activism. Yeah. Okay. And um, the we went. My host brother invited me to come protest one day, and we, when we showed up with a bunch of people, this was this is actually a crazy story. So, he said we're taking a bus into into town to go to Plaza de la Dignidad, which is used to be called Plaza Italia. Mm-hmm. Until the people literally made a golden plaque and put it on it and said, "No, this is the positive of dignity now, de dignidad," um, huh. and that's what yeah. it is. And you can't. And it's actually on Google Maps. Actually, I was oh. when I was still in Chile, I, I need to look up something in Santiago, and Plaza de la Dignidad was on Google Maps. You know, as a sidebar, another sidebar. <laughs> there are a few uh, terrible statues in this town, and I wonder what would happen <laughs> if we. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should do it. Um, but I wonder what would happen if people just started putting up plaques and they just sort of stayed there. Just stayed there. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not saying do it, um, but uh, that's that's a very interesting tactic. Yeah. They were yeah. just like, yeah, no, this is what this is now. And the police are too busy, you know, tear gassing them <laughs> yeah. to, you know, go, yeah. and, go with their power drill and unscrew the plaque. Yep. Um, but no, so we, we, we walked from our house to this hospital that was in, that was in San Miguel and, um, right as all of the hospital workers were just filing out, like striking. 
Mm -hmm. um, and they would have general strikes and national stops, as they would call them. Um, and they were all marching out in their uniforms, and it was super cool. And then we're like, okay, now we can go, you know, to the to the march. And I said, didn't you say we took a bus? And he said, yeah. I said, do I need my my transportation card? He said, I think it's free. And it was actually some a couple people with like not Greyhound buses, but like kind of not not that nice, mm -hmm. but like open window Greyhound maybe if I could describe it like that. And they were just shuttling people to the protest. And I started thinking. Are they on strike? Did did they go on strike so that they could come here and use their resources from their job, use this bus, <sighs> to shuttle all of these people into the city to to attend this protest? And that's exactly creating the resources from the ruling class. Exactly, that's and that's great. exactly what it seemed like it was. Why would you be Why would you be doing that? Like, other otherwise, because the the crazy part about these protests was the statistic is that about eighty five percent or more of people in Chile support these these demonstrations just overall. Right. Yeah, I remember imagine, reading about that. Imagine that kind of unity. Oh. Imagine that just existing. Like in America, in I just, I couldn't believe, I saw that. I, I mean, and it made sense because so many people were in the streets. But um, the weird part about that day was my host brother kept saying, well, we have to wait for this one girl. We have to wait for this girl. And the buses are just packed. People are pouring out of the door. They couldn't close the door. Um, like hanging out of the bus, like like a like the sanitation workers coming right. to pick up the garbage. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, and um well, they, they left. There wasn't enough room. And so this girl finally shows up and we were like, well, thanks. And he said, well, I guess we'll, we'll wait for like a, a normal bus or we'll walk. And it was really far. But then all of a sudden this guy comes up in a truck, not a pickup truck, but it wasn't like an 18 wheeler, but it was like a tiny container. Okay. Like, truck. like, a, like a moving truck? Yeah. Kind of like a moving truck, okay. a little okay. bit smaller than a moving truck. That's a good yeah. way to describe it. And he said, well, I'll take y'all. And I said, I'm going to get trafficked. Um... <laughs> But my host brother was like, yeah, okay, this is a nice man. He's probably on strike too. And we all piled in the back of the truck. That's and interesting. shut the door. Yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of terrified. Yeah. But all of these kids were just like, hell yeah, we got a ride. We're going. And I was like, well, if you're not stressed, I'm not stressed. Um, but you, it was it was crazy. Do you feel like, um, and, and, and if this question's too meandering, we can cut it out. But I just... Um, as, as you mentioned that, um, do you think that is just something that you felt because of the of the climate, because of the air of of protest, because of the energy? Do you think you had to like fight against what you've been told as an American, like you know, don't don't trust people, don't you know, go with people that you don't know? Was that yeah. kind of part of it like take well, me into your mindset just a little bit well unfortunately santiago is well chileans will describe themselves as unfriendly mm -hmm. um and they kind of are on the street like a new yorker right maybe not to that degree like, just but get out of on my the way street, i've got places yeah, to be just yeah, yeah just not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna wave at you when you walk by like yeah. you know um but if, obviously if you're talking with people they're nice but um and there was unfortunately a lot of theft down there too mm -hmm. so it was you can't keep your phone in your pocket like right. things like that um so i was always kind of wary in general because that is true it wasn't just what americans told me it was my host family and it was the program sure. and you know and so i was you got like, like some local knowledge yeah like, absolutely of, of how to you know how to how to yeah so how to be i guess and i think i don't think it would matter where i was if someone told me to get in the back of a truck i would think oh, yeah, i might yeah. get trafficked um <laughs> yeah but um I, but you know, the second my, ho I saw my host brother had zero hesitation. I said, okay. And all the other, all the other girls and guys that were in there around my age were like, yeah, yeah. 
sweet, we found a ride to the protest. Yeah. And they shut the door. I said, okay, we couldn't even stand up. Well, I couldn't, <laughs> but um, <laughs> must be nice. <laughs> most of the, yeah, most of the people, most of the people's um, heads weren't hitting, but mine and my host brothers were. My whole host yeah. family was tall. It was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, as as a uh, as a you know as a, as a clarification, I'm I'm kind of a short dude, so <laughs> you know I look up at my uh, tall comrades and I'm like, oh man, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and, and nothing went wrong. We showed up, but when we showed up, it was like. San Miguel are here. Like we showed up, like we have finally arrived and we are, you know, we're about to walk up to the protest. Mm -hmm. And I was just trying to put like anything that really happened in the protest, I would try to put in the concept of America or in the context of America rather. Right. Because people would ask me, do you think this could happen in America? And I'd just say no. Yeah. <laughs> so much of it was so different. And that was the thing. And that was what goes back from the very beginning of me saying you can't, can't implement the same thing. You can't do the same thing in America. Um, or in, in other countries, the same exact thing. Conceptually, right. yeah, maybe we could have massive protests. Um, and I don't know. It was just, it was, it was, but I could never, I'm from, I am from Mount Pleasant. I really am. And right. I could not imagine marching up with a bunch of Mount Pleasant people and saying, oh, Mount Pleasant are here at the protest. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, Goose Creek just showed up. Like, what? <laughs> like, it just wasn't. Oh, man. Maybe, maybe someday. Maybe, maybe someday, someday. Yeah, but and, and uh, as as we approach twenty twenty, probably not likely. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but... that's that's incredibly important. Um, because... Well, it was funny. I was I was like, I'm going to be yeah. gone right in the beginning of this of campaign season mm -hmm. for the twenty twenty election. Oh, I need to get my politics fix. <laughs> I, sure, I sure did. Yeah, you. I did. sure did. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's that's I I agree wholeheartedly there. Like it revolution kind of looks different it does. anywhere you go. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are just certain material conditions on the ground that influence things in, in different ways. And, and that's, uh, that's, that's really its own episode, probably its own podcast, honestly. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe if, if you have, have time and, and space and energy, maybe, uh, we'll have you back and and maybe delve into that a little deeper. Uh, maybe both in Chile and and maybe here in in the Low Country. Yeah. Um. Cool. Um. Okay. So, kind of on that note, um, talk a little bit about why it's critical uh, for DSA and really for the left in general here in in the United States to understand and support uh, the the folks in Chile. Um. Well. Above all, learning from just just having a learning experience from it, and also the second shit hit the fan, I knew that it would not be on the news in America. Right. I just knew. I just why would they? No, they wouldn't. And I knew that to the rest of the world, this was so insignificant, so insignificant. I mean, South America has always been America's ashtray, and to a degree, a lot of the rest of the Western world. Um, and so I knew that I immediately had to start posting about it and had to start telling people about it. Right. And so many people have come to me and said, you were the only, I would not have known that any of that was happening. I just raised my hand uh, for the <laughs> listeners. Every, every now and then I forget we're an audio only medium. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I really didn't know about it until yeah. I saw you started posting about it. So thank you for doing that work. Absolutely. Um, think, uh, myself personally, but uh, our chapter in, in general is is better because of that. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and just inspiration, really. I mean, the first thing that the first, like every time 
I would meet a Chilean and they would say, oh, you're from America. Okay, what do you think of the protests? And I would say, they inspire me. They'd say, what? Really? <laughs> I'd say, hell yeah, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> like this is incredible. We And I would always say, we, we can't do anything. We've never done anything like this in America. We can't, we won't. Like, it's just, and even if we have done things similar it was it's still not still not going to be the same it's still not going to have the same spirit the same right livelihood or whatever you want to call it um then latin america in itself and in its entirety does have the spirit to it right um and it's super interesting but um yeah it inspiration i was i was really so inspired i was so ready to go home and just start doing stuff and start trying yeah. to help and and also to have to kind of talk myself down and know like well probably not aren't gonna change everything you know in the first year that you're back but yeah. you you know chile had to do something to get to the point that they're in and you have to if you may not be there to see the end be proud that you were there in the beginning type thing yeah so i've i've had i've i've been thinking a lot about that mm -hmm. recently so so thank you for mentioning that mm -hmm. um and and maybe maybe let's build on that a little bit um I think it's important for us, especially like for some of our younger uh, listeners, for some of the younger folks in in the in DSA, and just for the left in general. Um, it's a marathon; it's not a sprint. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it's frustrating, but <laughs> yeah, you'll you there 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 are definitely like some moments where things happen very fast, and I think you you really talked about that in 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 a really illuminating way. Um, but uh, really, a lot of I think a lot of, of what organizing is about, and I think you can probably attest to this, is just it's it's uh, showing up, showing up a lot. It's going the extra mile, really. It mm -hmm. is that I just got home from work. I'm so tired. Oh, my God. I don't know if I should go to this thing. But yeah. no, I have to. Or, you know, and then because then, then a lot of times what I've seen has happened is I've almost not gone to things. And then I decided to go and then a lot of other people like hadn't shown up. And it's like, oh, well, I'm so glad I went type thing it's kind of like everyone at some point is probably picking up someone else's slack and it's like this collective like well we're all there at some points and we're all going to get something done so yeah nice i i yeah i i definitely see that i get that um so based on your experience uh can you talk a little bit about what uh folks in chile are, are hoping to gain and is there a path forward for Chile's working class? I think you spoke about this a little bit earlier about mm -hmm. uh, writing a new constitution. Can you maybe build up on that a little bit? Yeah, so um, they have, right now, I'm pretty sure what's happening is they're trying to pick how they're going to write the new constitution. And they have two options. Mm -hmm. um, they have the constitutional assembly, and then they just have the plain old, like the government writes it. And the constitutional assembly is they get just people, lay people, civilians, whatever you want to call them, they somehow gather a group, which is the hard part. They have to get someone from Patagonia and you have to get right. someone from the desert and then they have to be, well, why'd you pick them and all this stuff? And then they get together and they work with the government to write the constitution, which is what the majority of the people want because right. the people want to say. Um, and then the other part of it is, like I said, just Congress going and doing it. But um, they just want, they kind of just want... So the biggest theme in the protest has been dignity and that word, dignidad, dignidad, dignidad. And that was so interesting to me too. Yeah. And they would say, like, I it's just pretty want, broad. I yeah. want to, it is broad. They say, yeah. I want to live with dignity, you know, and so I want to be able to retire. I just want to be able to pay more or just have a living wage more so. 
But um, actually, the Communist Party just got, um, they just got passed the, um, they only have a 40-hour work week now. Nice. And that's like, they were like, we were working so hard to get this passed. We deserve this. I was like, dang, 40 hours. Like, that's nice. like, that's awesome. Yeah. That y'all just got that done. And it was Hell the Communist yeah. Party that did it. Like, because they're a real party Congrats in the government. Congrats to our comrades in Chile for making that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so the, things like that. And the pension system is is private and it's just, it's bad. It's got this weird, like, like investing aspect to it where the government will invest right. the money and then this and then. Um, but then if you kind of like work for yourself, it's easier to just keep the money now and then not. And it's just, it, it's very strange. Um, from a very broad, like bird's eye view, it kind of sounds like maybe a 401k type situation where like, it's a lot of, you know, investing in, in like private companies mm -hmm. and, and it's all like employer based. And yeah, if you, if you try to do it all yourself, if you work for yourself, it's yeah yeah <laughs> good luck with that shit yeah know? exactly yeah. and um one of the one of the protest signs that i saw that really um struck a chord in me was it said i am not afraid to die i'm afraid to retire Oof. and i was like and then i saw one that was like like sorry mother like i went out to protest today but i had to so that you could retire and that you could have a good rest of your life just like really heart-wrenching things like that yeah and it's the, and the pension system has been a problem for a very long time there, and they all know it. Hmm. So um, let's see. And the high schoolers wanted um, less expensive metro fares. Um, they always had – so Chile is the more or less the most stable economy in South America. Right. Um, but it was always kind of interesting that it was because they have an issue where they only have like two main exports – Mm -hmm. And that's copper. And right now it's lithium. Right. Before it was copper and nit nitrate. Um, and during World War One, they were the source for the nitrate for um, the gunpowder. Oh, wow. Um, and then I'm pretty sure that's right around when the War of the Pacific happened. Mm -hmm. um, their nitrate fields were annexed by either Bolivia or Peru. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to mix it up, so I'm not going to pick one. Um, right. And then Germany just started making synthetic gunpowder, and it was better than the original. So then no one needed Chile. Right. And then the Great Depression hit right after that. And they were right. like, oh. So they're always a very import-reliant country. Sure. Um, but right now, lithium is a massive export to have. Right. But China owns over 60%, I think, of Chile's lithium. Mm. And one of the biggest problems with Chile was they finally got to a point where they had nationalized most of the nitrate in the copper mines. Right. Um, and then Pinochet came in and was like, privatize this, privatize that, privatize this. Gross. And they had just gotten it out of the hands because they had like all these like English people coming and buying, like buying up nitrate fields and everything. Yeah. And the people finally just got so sick of it. He was a, he was a proxy forever. for colonizers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and so that they're still trying to get rid of the privatization. And as a lot of people seem to know, um, it's the only country in the world where water is private. I did read about that. It's just... Private. It's just, and it's the only, it's the only country <laughs> of all of the countries. Like, and it, and I expected it to be more different. I mean, I expected my host family to be like, oh, I swear, like, don't leave the water on, like, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't really have any of that. I don't know how expensive it was, but it's just wrong. And you could drink it. I'm mean, in Santiago. You could drink it. It wasn't, it wasn't that good. Good. <laughs> if you go to a restaurant, you order water, they don't give you out of the tap, you know, they give you a water bottle, but right. it was, 
it was just crazy. And, and that was almost something that they were used to. I did not see that many protest signs about it. I did not hear that many chants about the water. Yeah. But I, what I did see was water belongs to everyone. Okay. Uh, those were like the signs. That's what the, that was the, the slogan, if you will. Okay. Um, for the national nationalization, just deprivatization of, of water. Yeah. I mean, it almost sounds like the the way you describe that sign and 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 maybe I'm in the ballpark here maybe not but it almost sounds like they're reacting like almost at a level beyond politics like a mm -hmm. level that's just human exactly yeah. and that's I think that's why they were able to get eighty five percent of the country on board right because it seems like whatever party lines you have to cross well my mom still needs to retire type thing yeah. and you know people. People there just overall pay so much more attention to politics, especially young people. Right. It was just, it was just, it's just how it is. I mean, they'd pay attention, and now we do have a lot more young people paying attention. But it shouldn't have taken Donald Trump being yeah. president for the people in America to learn how their government works. Exactly. I mean, I'm still teaching people that impeachment doesn't necessarily mean that homeboy has to leave office. <laughs> like I'm still telling people that, and they yeah. still don't know. And I didn't know that, you know, until until a few years ago. And yeah. uh, I mean, people didn't even know about the electoral college until until all of this happened. But when you have a dictatorship like that, it molds your entire political awareness forever in the future. And that's why I could, I they have a revolution of elementary and high school kids. I mean, imagine being able to understand and pay that much attention back, way back then and then continue on with it for the yeah. rest of your life because that's just how it is. I, I definitely did not <laughs> when I was a kid. Exactly. That's so amazing. Yeah. So like I'm just trying to put myself into that mindset. It's like, oh, man, just imagine how different things would be if, if like, you know, the kids that went to like elementary school and middle school, like in the generation, like in our generations, mm -hmm. the generations before us, like just imagine like how different things would be but that's that might yeah. be also a different episode <laughs> yeah well and then it's like how can you as as a president as members of a cabinet know just how aware your people are of the political situation and still spit in their faces like yeah it's crazy and then the and people rioted for so long and then they were like okay fine we'll reshuffle the cabinet and they were like, we don't want you to reshuffle the goddamn cabinet. What does that sound like? Putting your body, you're doing your job, so I'm going to put you in a different job that you probably don't know how to do. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, what, what it actually is, is they do like send people home, you know, and like you're yeah. done. But then um, people were like, we don't want that. We're not done. We're going to keep going because we want a new constitution. We want him dead or gone. Like, Yeah. So, and that was, that was. They want justice. They, yeah. And they had too many times where the government said, okay, we'll do this. And they were like, okay, sweet. We're going to stop writing. Thank you. And then they barely did that one thing and then yeah. just continued being shitty. And finally Chile's like, No, you're not you're not doing that. We are getting exactly what we want. Right. Which is the bar's pretty low. I mean, they like like I said, they just want dignity. They just want, you know. Right. Just... But but let's build on that for a little bit. Um the idea of dignity being kind of a, a running theme here is really cool. Yeah. Um but on the other side of that this is a uh, this is a call for dignity that's not bound up in like uh it's not bound up in 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 what in in idealist descriptions of dignity because what even the fuck is that exactly um it sounds like based on what you're describing to me and 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 you know feel free to like kind of steer the ship if i'm off the rails a mm -hmm. little bit but uh 
to them, like this sense of dignity is rooted in like material gains. It's rooted in, um, you know, being able to retire, uh, like comfortably it's, 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 uh, having your rep, your voice represented in government. It's, it's having, uh, control over your own country's resources and not just like giving them all away to the highest bidder essentially. Yeah. And then just building off of that, it's like the people, Oh, I saw one protest sign that really, that really got me. And it said, are you really happy? Ooh. <laughs> and I was like, you're going to walk up to Plaza Dignidad with that sign and everyone's going to get all, oh, geez, no, like <laughs> that's why we're here. Like show that to other people, show <laughs> that to the people who are sitting at home type thing. And it's like, and people always say like, oh, like money can't buy happiness. And it's also like, well, if I am not constantly anxious and stressed about paying my rent in the car and everything and all of these things, I'm going to be a hell of a lot more happy. Yeah. You know, and these people are going to be a hell of a lot less stressed and maybe just, just, oh, and it's crazy because of how, how much they still, how much progress they think they still need to make, still how how helping of a people they are to each other and still right. how much of a sense of community is in there. Hell yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just this understanding that um, if we get these things, we can progress as a as a whole, as a people, right. you know, and we can maybe make waves elsewhere instead of just be this isolated because for, I mean, all of Latin America just, just it's just, like I've said before, swept under the rug and they have so much to offer. And I learned a lot about that in my literature class. We learned about like the first um, poets and writers from Latin America to win like Nobel Prizes for literature, like Pablo Neruda and Violeta Parra and things like that, or people like that. Um, and they, what all of them seem to have this like kind of vindictive, like, yeah, by the way, we can write things. Like, did you yeah. think we were all stupid? You know, just yeah. like, like, and that that dignity of when people how every person that my parents told that I was going down to Chile, they would be like, oh, tell her to be careful, you know. My parents would be like, what do I know? Like, say it. Like, say it. Right. Like, it's because you, you have this mindset where you think Latin America's poor and dangerous and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And they just, that the dignity that they want is to just be recognized as the societies that they are. Right. So. Um. You said something earlier that that uh, uh, it it made me kind of smile a little bit. Um, the idea that that money can't buy happiness, and and while there there might be some truth to that, I feel like most folks that say that are pretty wealthy, and they yeah yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird how that all shakes out, right? Yeah. Like like you know, because I've I've been poor, I've struggled, and and it's it's fucking sucks. It's yeah. not fun. Um. So yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> It may not buy it, but it'll make it a lot easier yeah. for you to get there. That's the yeah. thing. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you want me to stop trying to to get money and be more financially stable? What well, that sounds weird. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's one of a lot of things I think that we as as Americans kind of tell ourselves. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, wow. Well, uh, I tell you what, this has been such a great discussion. Um, Ace, thank you so much for like coming out and. And hanging out with me for a little bit and and really talking about your experiences. Um, got one more question for you. Uh, what's the best way for DSA and for the left in general to show solidarity with the folks uh, participating in uh, protests and 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 uh, uh, 
in the democratic process process in Chile. Uh, talk about it. Um, All right, that's the biggest <laughs> thing. Just just post about it, share it. I mean, make it so that your family and friends cannot scroll through their Facebook without seeing something about the atrocities that are happening down there. There's the signal. I mean, the police crucified a child down there. Oh, my God. They crucified three people one night. One was a 14-year-old kid on an antenna at the police station. It is not just your average tear gassing like they like to do in water cannons. It is... Tanks in the streets. They, they've shot out over 200 people's eyes down there. I remember seeing The that. eyes. It's, it's yeah. actually... So Santiago is a massive place for graffiti in general. And murals. They have some of the most beautiful murals there. Yeah. Um, but the graffiti obviously ramped up uh, during the riots. In fact, there's a massive Catholic church by one of the buildings I would go to school in. And it has pedophiles spray painted on it. It has ACAB sprayed on it, spray right. painted on it. It's got pictures of the president with money signs as his eyes. Right. Yeah. Um, all this stuff and just saying that he's a murderer and everything. But since they started shooting out people's eyes, um, you will just see eyes spray painted everywhere. Just eyes. Everywhere you look, you're reminded of all of these people who lost their eyes. And every statue in that city has red paint on their eyes dripping down from it. Wow. So that you can't go anywhere. You can't be a tourist and go sightseeing without oh, why is that there, yeah. you know? And it's just, it's just, is mind-blowing. What was the question again? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so. Oh, oh, D oh, yeah, yeah, I said talk about it. Talk yeah, about things. Yeah, um, yeah. and you have to, um, and explain more reasons why I think that go into depth because in the beginning, the, the catalyst was the metro. And then people started spreading shit like, Oh, these these Chileans just totally lost their shit and destroyed the whole city because yeah. they raised the metro price less than one cent, and it was like, okay, how much really do you know about Chile? In, like, in a country where like people like you know threw a bunch of tea overboard for a oh god, you know, a stamp tax. <laughs> yeah, exactly, huh. exactly. Interesting. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just I mean, just research, just talk about it, and I mean, I I could never like. Going down there, I always I was realizing more and more just how crazy it was that the education system in America doesn't talk about South America at all. It really doesn't at all. I mean, I didn't learn that that Pinochet was a dictator in uh, Chile until my sophomore year of college when I was in a Spanish class, not a history class, because my world modern history didn't teach me anything about that. They taught right. me about Europe. They taught me about America, and I began class down yeah. in Chile, and they'd be like. Kind of like the coup in Nicaragua. And I'd be like, the what? And they were like, come on, you know. And we were all like, I don't know how to tell you this, but we don't know. And we're not encouraged to learn about that. Maybe they don't want us to dig anything up. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I do know. Um, <laughs> but, and I think there's just a lot to be learned. I mean, I learned a lot about even just tear gas bombs when I was down there. They have a lot of different kinds. Yeah. Um, the expired kind hurts more. Hurts <laughs> more. Um, and just... Between that and looking at things from the Hong Kong protests online about the tear gas was right. just super cool. Um, and I saw, I mean, I saw women about my age picking up tear gas bombs and throwing them back at the cops. Mm. I didn't know you could do that until I went down there. So I guess now I know yeah. I can use that. Hopefully yeah. not, but I can. Um, I mean, the police down there will just tear gas them anyway. Apparently, we learned from some kids at my university that they'll just 
throw a tear gas bomb in our university gates, like just for the shit of it, like walking by. And we were like, that tracks. What? Yeah. <laughs> and then I found out that the university we went to down there was like bombed during the, during the coup. It's like a big deal. And it's one of the um, few public universities in Santiago. And it was like, like a, a base almost. And there was yeah. like almost like this battle that happened there, mm-hmm. which is just super crazy. Wow. But um, I don't know, just, just learning, you know, tactics and, and organizing too. Right. Um, just even like when I mentioned that um, the volunteer work that I did, while we were all doing all of that, there were a bunch of women who were in a preschool right next to the park we met up at, and they the whole time were cooking a massive lunch for everyone. So when we were done, we didn't just go home. We sat down under a tent, and we ate with everyone while some girl got up on the stage and sang and played the saxophone. And it was just like, like you need to just feel good when you're done with those things, not tired, not just tired. And I was so tired. Yeah. But after that, I just felt, I just had this sense of family and just things like that. And it's just, there's so many different kinds of organizing, and that's what I think we can learn from other places like that. But definitely all the little little protesting tactics like they that they had, like the uh they were using lasers to take down drones. Like they I had these the green lasers that, yeah. and they were shining all these people would shine them up at the drones and yeah. would, um It's like a sea of lasers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it looks like like Plaza de la Dini that at night sometimes it looks like a rave. <laughs> and it's yeah. like crazy. I never saw that, but my host brother did get a did get a laser when I was down there. I was going to say like missile command or something, but that might date me. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go with rave. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, that that's, that's, um, what a story. What, what yeah, an experience. That's, yeah. That's even half of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, like I said, um, I'd, I'd love to have you back and, and talk some more. Um, and, and share some more of your experiences and, and, um, you know, who who knows where the conversations will go. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up today's episode? Um, uh, solidarity for Chile. Um, uh, it's probably going to be my last word there, but, uh, thanks for having me on. This is super awesome. Um, I, while all this was happening down there, I was like, oh, I have to, I have to ask Bones if I can come and talk about this. Not that, <laughs> not that I think he's going to say no, but like, I, ha- I just, I have I'm pretty to talk sure about I, this. I'm pretty sure I was like in all caps, like, yes, get in here. <laughs> like, like Scorpion yeah. from Mortal Kombat, get over here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just, and when I went and um, um, had dinner with uh, Dimitri Cherney a few nights ago, yeah. he was like, where else are you talking? You have to talk about this. You have to talk about this. Like you have to keep talking about it. I was like, I know. Like I'm looking for platforms. So like, um, you know, if you have anything else, like let me know. Um, I we've we're talking with some professors actually at the College of Charleston who might wanna um let me and my friend know because there was only one other girl on the trip who would actually go to the protests. Yeah. That was my friend Delaney. So um we both wanna look for platforms to be able to talk about it and things like that. So thank you for giving me a platform. Aww. To help Happy teach to people that. about yeah. Chile, which is now all of a sudden so important to me. And I looked back a year ago and I didn't know anything about Chile. So it sounds like you learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. And and um and like I said, our uh our chapter is is better because of it. So thank you. Thank you. Um all right. I guess uh that's gonna be it for today. Um thanks again and uh solidarity and dignity for Chile. Ooh. This is Bones, this is Renegade Paradise. I'll be good.
victims of oppression for the tyrants fear your might don't cling so hard to your possessions for you have nothing if you have no rights let racist ignorance be ended for respect makes the empires fall freedom is Yeah.